Hey, open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 90. Uh, if you are not real familiar with your Bible, open it right to the middle of the Bible, and you'll probably be real close. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one of these on the floor around you. Uh, it's page 413 in this Bible right here. And just as a reminder, if you don't own a Bible, please take this one with you. We want you to have a Bible that you can read, uh, that you can understand, uh, so you can follow along with us. Hey, my name's Steve. I'm glad you're here. I think if I have one superpower, it's this. My phone never dies. I'm serious. That may not seem like a superpower to you. I understand. But really, hardly a week goes by when I won't be on the phone with somebody that says, hey, I've only got a minute. My phone's about to die. Or we'll be in the car and my girl say, hey, can you plug in my phone? It's about to die. Or I'll ask them to look something up online and they'll say, well, I can't. My phone's dead. But, but this phone, the one I have in my hand right now, I've had it for six months and it has never been at 0%. It has never been dead. How? Well, I found a routine. Every night before bed, I put my phone on the charger. And every morning when I wake up, I take it off the charger. See, there's a secret. There's a secret to making sure your phone doesn't die. Actually, two secrets. One is you charge it on a regular basis. And two, you use it responsibly. You know, now that I think about it, that doesn't seem like a superpower really, does it? (laughs) Well, the truth is that recharging parts of our life isn't about a superpower. It's about a system. It's about a routine. And just like the battery on your phone or any other electronic device for that matter, we can develop routines and rhythms that will help us recharge these areas of our lives. So as we start this new year, new year, new you, that's what everybody's shouting at you, right? As we start this new year, we're starting a new series today called Life at 2%. And we're going to look at several areas of our lives and see how we can recharge those areas, areas where we often walk around depleted. Because the truth is that many of our lives, or at least uh, some areas within our lives, uh, we live those with our figurative batteries low, don't we? Maybe it's your time and you're so busy you can't possibly fit everything in and it drains you. Uh, Maybe it's your money, your finances. There's just too much month left at the end of your money. Or it could be rest or it could be your faith. Whatever that area is for you, we hope to address it during this series. But I want to start off today by talking about your time. We live in a culture that is obsessed with time. There's a pretty good chance that you have on your person right now at least two devices that will tell you what time it is, right? I've got my Fitbit right here, and I can tell you it's 927, so I've got to hurry. And uh, I've got my phone that says it's 928. Oh, now my Fitbit's caught up. Okay, good. Uh, they sync together, so when they're different, that makes me concerned. But we, you probably have a couple devices that tell you what time it is. I can stand in my kitchen. I am not lying. I can stand in my kitchen, and I can find in one place in my kitchen, I can see seven different devices that tell me what time it is. I have a clock on my thermostat, a clock on the coffee maker, a clock on the radio, a clock on the microwave, a clock on the stove, and two that are hanging in our kitchen and living room that I can see. I can tell you at any given moment that it's somewhere between 8.57 and 9.04 in my kitchen. Why are we so obsessed with time? Because we live in a busy culture, right? Working people are busy. Parents of high school students are busy. High school students are busy. Parents of toddlers are busy. Single adults are busy. Retired people are busy. I can't get time with my parents because they're too busy. I don't know what they do all day, but they're busy. So we look to shortcuts to make our lives easier. We weave in and out of traffic to find the faster lane. We uh, listen to audiobooks at double speed. (laughs) 
We use the skip intro feature on Netflix because it's just that much faster, right? And we tap our fingers on the keyboard while that page is loading because even though the internet is faster than it's ever been in our lives, we can't afford to wait four seconds for that video to start, right? We are busy people. But the truth is, even as busy people, we waste a lot of time. And that's bad because there are some universal truths that we need to understand about time. These are things that are true for all of us, no matter where you come from, no, no matter what your race or your sex or religion or socioeconomic background, these things are as true for you as they are for me. Three things, what are they? Uh, number one, our time is limited. For everyone, we all get 24 hours in a day. We all get seven days in a week, and even our life is limited. Psalm 139 says that all the days ordained for me were written in your book even before the first one began. Our time is limited, and there's nothing we can do about that. Number two, we will spend all of our time doing something, right? Sleeping, working, driving, eating, mowing, cleaning, sitting in church, watching TV, all of it. All, at the end of our days, all of our time will have been spent doing something. And the third universal truth about time is that someone will determine how we spend our time. This is the part that so many of us miss. When we are not incessantly intentional about how we spend our time, we let someone else decide how to spend it for us. So how do we do that? How do we become intentional about our time? Well, we're going to take a lesson today from a man named Moses. Many of you know about Moses, either from reading his story in the Old Testament or maybe watching a movie about him. Uh, for you, maybe it's the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston is your Moses of choice. Or uh, if you're a little bit younger, maybe it's the Prince of Egypt and you like Val Kilmer as Moses, at least the voice of Moses. Or uh, let's get with the time if you watched the Bible series in the last few years. It's the lesser known but no less fantastic William Houston uh, playing Moses. Whoever you prefer to play Moses, you probably know a few things about his life. You know that Moses grew up in Egypt where he learned to walk like an Egyptian, right? And he... Maybe you know he killed an Egyptian as a young man. And you probably know that he led the Israelites out of Egypt in the Exodus, where God also used Moses to send 10 plagues on Egypt. Uh, you know about the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments and, and all that. But did you know that in between those times, between uh, Moses killing the man in Egypt and the time that he was called by God to be the leader of the people of Israel, he spent 40 years, uh, many of us would say the best 40 years of his life, as a refugee living in a place called Midian. And he was living in a foreign land, and he was a shepherd. That was what he was doing with his life. He was a shepherd. And, uh, and the amazing thing is that as a shepherd, Moses never needed a clock. He just went by the sun. If the sun was up, he was watching the sheep. If the sun was down, he was resting. That was his day, day in, day out. Watch the sheep, go to bed. Watch the sheep, go to bed. Don't really need a clock. Don't really have any concept of time. But he did understand the concept of time slipping away. He knew that all of his time and all of our time was limited. And so while he was there, he wrote a few poems or songs. We call them psalms. And you find them, Psalm 90 uh, through 100 in Scripture are the psalms of Moses. Uh, and in one of Moses' most famous psalms, he gives us this piece of advice about time. It's Psalm 90, 12, if you've got your Bible open there. It says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now notice here that uh, the interesting thing is that if you look at the top of the psalm, you'll see it's called a prayer of Moses. Uh, this is a prayer, and Moses is asking God that, we might, that he might learn to number his days, that we might learn to number our days. What does that mean? And why does it matter that we number our days? Well, because once you start to count something, 
right? Once you start to number something, what you'll see is your supply is limited. If, if, you don't, if something is too big to count, it feels like it's unlimited, and if things are unlimited, then you tend to waste it. We tend to waste things that, don't have an in, that are in an endless supply. But what Moses is asking God to do is that he could learn to put a number on his days, and that somehow by doing that, he would gain wisdom about how to spend them. Now notice here, Moses isn't asking for more days. He's not saying, I need more time. God, there's just not enough time. I need more time. He's asking for wisdom to wisely use the days that he's been given. It's so important. Remember our universal truths about time that we all have a limited number of days. And the third one says that someone will determine how we use our time. When we number our days, we understand that they're limited and we have a better chance of being the one who determines how our time is spent. Now, why is it important that we decide how we use our time? Because all of our time ends up somewhere, right? And have you ever thought about where your unmanaged time goes? Have you thought about that? Where does my unmanaged time, this time that just seems to escape, where does it go? Well, I have experienced that there's three places that our unmanaged time goes, uh, or wasted, if you think of it that way. First, unmanaged time goes towards my weaknesses. It flows towards my weaknesses. Why? Because the stuff that you're good at comes naturally, and it doesn't take much time uh, to get it done. The things that you're bad at, if you get around to doing them, take a lot more time. So, for example, I've noticed that my wife has a system for cleaning our bathroom. Uh, she's super efficient. She goes from area to area. She's all, never having to double back. She's always got the stuff she needs with her. And when I clean the bathroom, it takes at least twice as long. At least that's the excuse I use. Um, she's like a toilet cleaning ninja, though. Now, I don't have that skill. But on the other hand, I've mowed our lawn at our house in the last six years for about 150 times, probably. And so I have figured out the most efficient way to mow the lawn. I've pretty much discovered the, the quickest way to do that. When she mows or when my kids mow, it just takes longer, right? And so our time flows towards our weaknesses. So while the best use of your time is to do the more and more things you're good at, unmanaged time tends to flow towards your weaknesses. Second, unmanaged time flows towards the dominant people in my life. Can I get an amen for that? All of us have people that tend to dominate our time. They may be needy people or bossy people, or they may be very nice people who you love, but just take a little extra time to deal with, right? We, you know, we call them the EGR, right? Extra grace required. We've all got some of those in our lives. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to avoid those people because it's more efficient, right? I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not telling you, I'm not really, I'm just telling you, I'm really reminding you because you already knew this, that if you don't take control of your time, there are a number of people in your life who would like to control it for you. Right? And so that's why it's important. We, we number the days or we run the risk of having them numbered for us. Now, the third place unmanaged time goes is unmanaged time surrenders to the demands of all the emergencies. Now, I've talked before about the difference between urgent and important. Urgent things are things that need to be done now, and important things are the things that need to be done or else. Right? And so, so, many, so much of our time gets spent in the tyranny of the urgent, and we miss the most important things. We, we live in a world full of disorganized people who have lost control of their time, and when somebody else loses control of their time, how often does it become our emergency? Not everything that cries the loudest is the most important thing. I'm going to say that again because some of you need to be reminded. Not everything that cries the loudest is the most important. In fact, sometimes the really important things don't have a deadline or a due date. They just kind of creep up on you, like your kid going to college. 
or your retirement, or dare I say it, even your deathbed. They don't really warn you they're coming and then poof, they're here. And you may have done nothing to address those things. So what I want to do today is give you a few rules. I'm going to call them principles, really, to help you manage your time. Now, wait a minute. Before you object and say, well, Steve, you're a pastor. You only work Sundays. What do you know about time management? I want to say that I I did spend 20 years in corporate America, and I learned a few things there. But also, Scripture has really good wisdom on how to use our time and why it's important. And, And before you say, well, I thought this was a church. I don't want to have a time management seminar. I'm here to worship and learn about Jesus and grow in my spiritual life. Well, you're right, and that's good. But there's a spiritual aspect to being overscheduled, isn't there? I mean, the way most of us live with with more demands on our time than ever may help us conform to the society we live in, but it adds to stress on our bodies, stress on our relationships, and stress on our spirits. And it can actually steal time from our relationship with God. And so if you come in here tired or overwhelmed or overscheduled, I just want to tell you something. I believe in you. I am for you. In fact, I am constantly amazed at the capacity and the capability of the people in our church. I want you to know, I think you can do anything. Anything you set your mind to, I believe you can do. But you can't do everything. And so much of our stress, our our lack of margin, so much of us living life at 2% has everything to do with our failure to number our days. And so I'd love to pull some wisdom from Scripture and just give you these three simple principles to recharge your time. I think these are easily explained, and I hope they'll be really helpful for you. Uh, Principle number one is this. Set your priorities. The first thing you do, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So how do you determine what you do first? Well, Proverbs 24, 27 comes into play here. It says this. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Now, at the time that the Proverbs were written, the fields were critical because they represented income, right? This is where people made their money. So the house was secondary. And so the writer says, you can only do one thing at a time, so you got to do what's most important first. And so how do you determine what's the most important? Well, here's what you do. Make a list of everything that you have to accomplish tomorrow. By the way, I do this in the evening. Did you know, I think Jewish culture has this right. Did you know in Jewish culture, the day started at sundown? and then went through the night, and then into the morning, and then to the next sundown. That was the day, right? I think that's brilliant. I mean, it's scriptural. If you look at Genesis 1, it talks about how God created things, and as he's creating things, it'll say, it was evening, it was morning, day one. Have you ever noticed that? So the the day starts in the evening. So I'd start in the evening, because if you wait till you get to work, if you wait till the morning, it's already too late, because most of us, what what do we do? We, We wake up and we check our phone first thing, right? Or we get to work and we check our email first thing. And then we're already at the mercy of somebody else's schedule. And so the key to managing your time is to put the most important things first. The key to managing your time is put the most important things first. So make a list of everything you want to accomplish. All right? Make a list of everything you want to accomplish. And if you think, okay, if I could only do one thing tomorrow, what is the one thing that I would do? Put a one by that. And then, okay, if I get time to do a second thing, what would I do? Put a two by that, and so on. And you go on down the list until you get to the last thing. And then when you start your day, you know what to do. You know what to prioritize. You know what was most important. You know what to do first. You know what to do. But what if I don't get everything done? You won't. But you don't now. 
but at least you'll have some comfort at the end of the day knowing you did the most important things, right? My guess is that's better than what you do now. You don't have time for everything. I mean, and honestly, since we all have the same amount of time, the things that we accomplish are not determined by how much time we have, but what our priorities are. The, the, the most accomplished people that you see in your life, the people that you look up to that have accomplished great things, whether it's for the kingdom of God or, or in business or in your hobby or in sports or whatever, the most accomplished people have exactly the same number of hours in a day that you have and that I have. Exactly the same number of days in the year that you have and I have. What's the difference? Well, it's determined by their priorities. In fact, I want to share a phrase that I'm trying out this year. I don't know if you'll like this or not. This, this may hurt too much. Um, it hurt me the first time I said it. Right? But I'm going to share a phrase with you that I've been trying out this year. See, see if you like this. Whenever you're thinking about something, something you've got to do, uh, something you, maybe it's going to church or praying or reading your Bible or maybe it's working out or maybe it's cooking healthy food or, or spending time with your spouse or your kids, whatever it is, it's something important. You know it's important, but you're not doing it or you're not doing it enough. Right? Whenever you get in that situation, get something in your mind. Instead of saying, I don't have time for that, say, I'm not making that a priority. See how that feels when you say that. Hey, honey, did you get time to do, oh, you know what? I didn't have time for that today. No, say, you know what? I didn't make that a priority today. How does that feel? Because if it hurts, <laughs> you got to go back to your list and reprioritize, right? Because something that's important is getting left out. Now, putting something first priority doesn't mean you have to do it first. Like, if your first priority is an afternoon meeting, it's okay to eat breakfast. I mean, it's okay to, to be productive before your 3 o'clock meeting. But it's the first thing you put on the schedule. And that brings me to the second uh, principle of managing your time, of numbering your days. Principle number two is this. Schedule everything. Schedule everything. Author Alec McKenzie wrote a book called The Time Trap. Uh, many of you have probably read it, and uh, it says it this way. He says, planning your day rather than allowing it to unfold at the whim of others is the single most important piece in the time management puzzle. If you'd rather use scriptural knowledge instead of business knowledge, I'll tell you Ecclesiastes 3 says it this way. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I'm convinced if this scripture were written today, it would say something like this. There's a time to eat and a time to make phone calls. There's a time to work out and a time to chill, a time to hang with friends and a time to clean the kitchen. Because the truth is that even before you wake up in the morning, there are a ton of things that you know you're going to do the next day, right? Right? Obviously, you have your meetings and your obligations, but there are other things that you always do or you do, do them regularly. You, you don't know everything, but you know some things. And so you know, for example, you're going to check your email. You know you're probably going to scroll through Facebook or Instagram. You know you're probably going to want to watch something on Netflix. But all those things can become a black hole for our time, right? We can get sucked in. I get sucked into the vortex of Instagram. I know you guys do too. I get sucked into Netflix and, well, just one more episode won't hurt right? And then before you know it, it's 1130 and you got to work in the morning. And, you know, so here's the trick. Schedule them. Schedule those things. 
I mean, I mean, literally use whatever tool you use. If it's iCal or Google Calendar or your Stephen Covey leather-bound uh, day planner, you know, seven habits of highly effective people. You know, do whatever you use. Get, set aside time to do the things you know you're going to do. Here's what that does for you. One, you know how much time you're using on things that you've never tracked before. Like, have you ever thought about how much time do I actually spend on social media every day? How much time do I actually spend on Netflix every day? Maybe some of you don't want to know that. <laughs> you know, but you have things that you're going to do, and you probably don't ever understand how much time you're, send- you're spending on them. So it does that for you. It helps you understand how much time you're spending on some of these uh, time stealers. But, but here's the, and, and then, so if you schedule, say, uh, half an hour to scroll through your Facebook feed, this seems ridiculous, Right? But schedule a half an hour to scroll through your Facebook feed, and then when the next thing comes up on your calendar, you know you're done. You know what? I've, I've spent enough time on this. And you hope, chances are you'll go, I can't believe I spent a half an hour on that. But you know you're moving on to the next thing you've got to do. Now, here's what else happens when you schedule everything. You have a legitimate appointment when one of those dominant people in your life calls and tries to steal your time. Because what often happens is that phone rings, and you look down and you go, oh, no. And even if you dearly love that person, and even if you really want to talk to them, you know what the next hour or hour and a half or two hours of your life is going to look like. And so if you've got your day scheduled out, if you've got appointments scheduled out, you can look and send a text and say, hey, I'm in the middle of an appointment now. I'll call you back at 1.30. And then when you call them back, you can say, with great compassion and integrity, you can say, hey, I've only got a half an hour until the next thing on my schedule. But I wanted to hear what you had to say. Let's talk. And then you're saying it with complete integrity, but you're taking control of your time. You're numbering your days. Now, I know that we've got some free spirits in the room. And this has been completely annoying for you to hear about scheduling everything. And you're asking, do I have to schedule everything? And well, the answer is no. You can keep doing what you've been doing, but you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. And so I would say at least, even if you don't schedule everything, at least I really recommend that you schedule those time suckers and those things that you really want to avoid but have to get done, those priority items. Schedule those. Put them on your calendar. Uh, One author calls it the eat the live frog problem. Here's, here's what he means by that. Let's say you, you put your list of everything that you've got to do, and somewhere down on that list is you've got to eat a live frog. Uh, what's your motivation? It's probably going to be to keep putting that off, right? You don't want, nobody wants to do that. He says, uh, if you schedule to eat the live frog first, you get that done, and then you feel a lot better about everything else you accomplished that day. And so I would at least schedule those time suckers, schedule those things you really want to avoid, schedule the priority items in your life, and then at least you've, got, you've probably addressed 90% of the problem. Okay, so to recharge your time, set your priorities and you schedule everything. Now, those two things apply to everyone. If you're a Christian, that's going to be helpful for you, right? If you're not a Christian, if you're not following Jesus, you can still gain margin in your life by applying those two principles. And I hope that's been helpful for you. But for followers of Jesus in the room, this third principle is the most important. The third principle is to put God first. God is first. We can make ourselves as efficient as we want. And we can accomplish more and more and get super good at getting things done. But if we're just doing it to build our kingdom, we're always going to feel a little tired and run down 
and like we're spinning our wheels. But Matthew 6.33 reminds us that we are to seek God's kingdom first. We are to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and that everything else will fall into its proper place. And so what does this mean for us? Well, it means when we're setting our priorities, as Christians, we need to put time with the Lord at the top. And as you're thinking about what you want to accomplish this new year and what you want to change, I have to tell you that a year from now, you're going to be the same person that you are now if your habits don't change. And so if, if you want to be different next year, if you want to have a closer relationship with God, you need to learn to put the Lord at the top of that list. Make time to meditate on scripture and pray. I mean, self-care is a big word in our society right now, but self-care isn't all about massages or pedicures or eating tubs of Blue Bunny. Real self-care is understanding that there's a God who cares about you more more than you care about yourself. He gave himself up for you. He sacrificed his only son, Jesus, so that you could have eternal life with him. So set a prayer appointment. Literally schedule a time during the day when you have an alarm go off on your phone or your computer and stop and pray. Join a connection group. Jerry uh, talked about we've got a whole list of groups at the Info Hub. Don't try to live your spiritual life alone. Get around others who will encourage you and help you grow in your faith and then make that a priority. There's a a list of new groups forming soon. Set a consistent time to spend in scripture. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be five or 10 minutes, but make it consistent. I think consistency is the key. Make it a priority. It may be the best thing you do all year for managing your time better. But don't take my word for it. Try it for a month. Come back and tell me if I'm wrong. I promise I won't be. It's the most important self-care you can have, and it's the key to recharging your time, is to spend more time with the Lord and put that first. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am woefully inadequate sometimes at numbering my days. And as I was preparing this week, I realized I need this message as much as anybody else in this room needs it. So I thank you for the reminder this morning that that our days are already numbered. Whether we know it, whether we acknowledge it or not, our days are numbered. And Lord, part of the reason some of us walk around so depleted is that we've kind of viewed time as an infinite resource and we've, we've spent our time like it's infinite, but you've reminded us that it's finite and that we need to number our days. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to take whatever principles that you would have us take away and apply them to our lives. And Lord, as we're thinking about what's the most important things in our lives, help us to remember to put you first. God, you put us first when you sent Jesus for us. You put our worries and concerns ahead of your own when you sent your son to the cross. So God, in response, the least we could do is to put you first in our lives. God, we thank you. We love you and we praise you for the work you're doing in us. In Jesus' name.